today, as we move into the new year and our men's power lunch, we're going to start today, and I'm not sure how long it's going to take, but we're going to start a verse-by-verse study moving through the book of 1 Peter. So if you, you have your Bible with you, if you want to turn to 1 Peter, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible if you can on Thursdays each week as we move through our, our Bible study. Uh, let me just start off by saying, and, and we said it for, for the whole time we've been doing this, uh, one of the best things that you can do, one of the best things that, that we can do as men is that we would know the Word of God and that we would consume the Word of God, really we'd be consumed with the Word of God, and then as we go through our lives, as we work our jobs, as we raise our families, as we serve in our churches, that we would do it according to God's plan in His Word. That's the goal of our men's power lunch. So again, here we go. We're going to start looking at 1 Peter verse by verse. Sometimes I start to read and I think, man, I'd like to cut out 14, 10 verses and and, and knock them out at one time. Today we're going to start with the very first two verses of chapter 1. So again, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. I'll read those to you. It says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood, may grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Basically, first two verses, we have the introduction to the book. Uh, Sometimes I I come across that very quickly and wonder, well, what is the message in that? We're going to look at this first couple of verses, the introduction to the book of 1 Peter. Notice there, it starts off in, in, in the first of, of verse 1, and it starts off, and it tells us who wrote the letter. It tells us who wrote the book. It says, first off, Peter. Uh, understand, point of context, Peter was a close companion of our Savior, Jesus. He was a close disciple of our Savior, Jesus. In fact, the Bible says he was one of the three closest followers of Jesus Christ. Really, he was in the the inner circle of the disciples. He's one of the three closest followers of Jesus Christ. He was a former fisherman. He was from Galilee. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that he was what would be considered an uneducated man. Now, I think it's important to point out here, it doesn't say he was a dumb man. It doesn't say he was a stupid man. It says he really did not have any formal education. So he is an uneducated man by the world's, by the world's evaluation. So we have Peter, and that's who Peter is. And then we have the title there, an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle In its general sense, its general definition means a person who is sent, one who is sent. There's an apostle, that's a person who is sent. Uh, But in a very specific meaning, uh, when it comes to the New Testament, when it comes to Christian belief, uh, it's a narrower understanding that an apostle in the New Testament is a person who was commissioned by Christ and who is witness to the resurrected Christ. Those two things, that's that's the criteria for an apostle. This is a person, a man who was commissioned by Christ according to Scripture. Uh, That's where they're given that status. That's where they get their marching orders. But not only that, they're witness to Jesus after the resurrection. Well, be sure today and know this. It's a big deal. By that definition, today there are no longer any apostles. 
by that definition, somebody commissioned by Jesus Christ, somebody who uh, has been witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, those people have died out. Those people died and are gone with that generation. So let me just tell you as a point of information, someone today starts to call themselves an apostle. Somebody starts to call another person an apostle. Uh, I would be very leery of that. I would be on guard of that. By definition, an apostle is a person commissioned by Jesus Christ, witness to the resurrected Jesus Christ. So we understand, here's Peter who is an apostle of Jesus Christ. This is the guy who writes the letter. Then we see who he wrote it to. Let me read again the rest of verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, and Bithynia. And we'll stop right there for just a second. Slow down here for just a second. Do not miss this. He says... Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, writes this to these aliens. An alien, by definition, is a foreigner, a person who is a stranger in a land that's not their own. And so these people, the recipients of the letter, they are men and women who are foreigners in these places, in Pontus, in Galatia, in Cappadocia, in, in Asia. They are foreigners, they are strangers in this land. Now we need to understand here, why are they foreigners? Why are they aliens in these places? Well, understand, these were people who were, who were Jewish folks who had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some of them maybe have even seen the gospel of Jesus Christ and who had placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, these were some of the very first Christians. This is the, the Christian movement as it starts. Well, understand, when these people put their faith in Christ, when they said, you know what, Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Christ, He is my Lord, He is my Savior, they became hated. They became persecuted. Uh, they were cast out of society. They were for sure cast out of the religious institutions. Some of these people, when they put their faith in Christ, their families disowned them. Uh, some of them, their, their property rights were taken away from them. The Bible tells us some of them are persecuted to the extent that they are beaten, that they are killed, that they are imprisoned. And so basically these folks, upon putting their faith in Christ, they are chased away. And in this persecution, they are dispersed or they are scattered and they end up living as aliens in these strange lands. They end up as foreigners in a foreign land. And let me point out two things right here. And this, this is really going to come to what we're going to learn today. First thing is this. The biblical truth is following Jesus Christ has never been accepted. Do you understand that? Satan cannot stand when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. The world that we exist in cannot st stand, cannot tolerate when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. The culture cannot accept it when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And so the biblical truth here, the reason these people are aliens living in a foreign land, the biblical truth, and we see it over and over again, is when people take a stand for Jesus Christ, they exist in opposition to the culture. Listen to me. Hear me today. It is the same for us today. 
if you truly, and I'm not talking about some token decision, I'm not talking about some light-hearted or half-hearted commitment, but if you say, I am a sinner, and I believe I'm a sinner, and I believe the remedy for sin is Jesus Christ, and as it's been revealed to me in God's Word, I profess Him as my Savior, and I profess Him as, as my Lord, and then as you've made that decision, as that begins to shape your life, you will never again fit into the world's system. You will be in opposition to the world's system. That's the biblical truth. Sometimes you hear a bunch of nonsense today. You know what, if you'll put your faith in Christ, things are going to get this and you're going to receive this and, and you're going to be moved up to the front of the line somewhere. The biblical truth is anytime a person took a stand for Jesus Christ, they exist in opposition to the world and the culture we live in. That's the biblical truth. But it doesn't end there. See this, the second thing. As tough as that is, as hard as that is, God will use that. That doesn't make any sense, really. They're, they're chased, they're persecuted, they're, they're beaten, they're run out of town. They have to go to a place they never thought they'd end up. They're living there and they've probably got some sort of persecution there, living in a pagan land. As tough as it is, God will even use that. Do you know, you look at church history, look at world history, do you know the greatest reason that Christianity spread, the greatest reason that the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ went out, is because of these believers who were scattered in their persecution. Do you know, and you go back and look at the rest of the New Testament, do you know where churches sprung up, sprang up? Galatia, a bunch of them there, Pontus, Cappadocia, Asia, a whole bunch of this area ends up being in Turkey. It was the persecution of these people as they're chased out, not understanding what God's doing, that God works His plan that the gospel of Jesus Christ spreads to a whole chunk of the world. God used these hard times, He used these hard things to spread His Word. Thought about that this morning. What would have happened, and I'm just guessing, what would have happened if these hard things had never happened? What if they're there in Jerusalem and, and man, he's the, he's the resurrected Christ and that catches hold and everybody's fine with that and, and you believe that, we're all believing the same thing, anything and nothing matters. You know what? We're excited for your new belief system. What if there had never been any persecution on this, on this church, on these Christians? I started to think about that. You know what they probably would have done? They probably would have built some big buildings. Uh, they probably would have put up a bunch of big signs pointing to their big buildings. Maybe they would have started to have a bunch of events. We've got this event planned and, and we've got this event planned. Maybe they would have started having church potlucks. Man, everything's good. We've got our new building. We've got this. We've got a big sign. And, and Sunday, if you'll bring your favorite dish, we're going to have a potluck here. They would have been satisfied to stay right there. Truth is, then and today, God uses it to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. A lot of deep stuff in the next verse. We're going to move through it pretty quickly. It says, who are chosen? These people who are aliens, who are chosen. A very interesting thing. Until this time, the chosen people were, were, the, were the Israelites, the, the Hebrew nation. Uh, now, you know what? It's by faith in Christ that, that God chose you. Uh, you're a chosen person. And as this goes into a pagan land, what an awesome message. You know what? You're, you're not cut off as an alien, as a pagan out there somewhere. You're now chosen by faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, it says chosen in the foreknowledge of God the Father. 
He is all-knowing. He, he knows all things. He knew who would be saved before the foundation of the earth. You're chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father. It says by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. A deep subject, but God inside of us makes us new. God inside of us teaches us and propels us to live like Christ and to start to look like Christ. He empowers this process that, that we're going to be sanctified and look like Christ. And then it says to obey Jesus Christ being sprinkled with blood. This was a reference again to these former Jewish people uh, to, to the time in the tabernacle where they would sprinkle the altar with blood. And it's pointing to the truth of who Christ is that, that in Christ, in his blood, uh, our sins are atoned for. In Christ, in his blood, we are forgiven. We're redeemed because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, very, very deep verse, very profound verse. I want to point out this one thing here in verse 2. People today, some circles will say, you know what? I can't find evidence for the Trinity in the Bible. In fact, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. So I, I'm not sure about, about the Trinity. Uh, very quickly, look at verse 2. God the Father the Holy Spirit that's, that's empowering the process of sanctification in Jesus Christ, the Savior by whose blood we're redeemed. All three pieces, members, individuals of the Trinity, one together there in verse 2. Then notice the last line says this, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Here's Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, He's writing a letter to these aliens that are living somewhere they never wanted to live, never thought they would live because of intense persecution. And he says this, May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. Let me tell you the truth for today, and it's this. If you're going to stand for the good news of Jesus Christ, and I mean stand, if you're going to be opposed by a world in a culture that cannot tolerate the biblical truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be despised by that culture, if God is going to use even that and use you, you're going to need God's grace and God's peace to the fullest measure. That is our hope. You know what? We're only going to make it in God's grace and God's peace given to us in the fullest measure. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll hook it out of here. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that you love us, that your love's unconditional, that your love's eternal, that not one man in here has gotten too far away, not one man has sinned so much that you'd write us off, that you'd cast us away, but that you sent your Son that we might be forgiven. And by his blood, we could be clean. We could be redeemed. We would be saved. We would have eternal life. We're thankful for that. I pray that that good news causes us to be passionate. That good news causes us to be excited about the truth to the extent that we would grab it, we would embrace it, we would put our faith in it, but that we would proclaim it, we would stand in it. We know the biblical truth already in the first two verses is the world can't stand that. In fact, Satan's going to do everything to derail it and the world's going to try to do everything to cover it up. But in your grace and your peace, may we be a, a, a set of men who will stand for your truth. We come today and we just tell you we love you. We praise you. We worship you. Help us move it into a new year to look like you and to stand for you. I praise you and I worship you and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.